There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Welcome to Sci-Fi Talk on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast where we discuss shows on the Sci-Fi Channel. I'm Steve. And I'm Sean Fangirl S. And tonight we'll be discussing episode two of season four of The Magicians. Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> this was so good. And yeah. I'm sorry, Margot slash Janet. I loved her this episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, she had like the best lines. So oh, absolutely. She did. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't wait to talk about her. But all right. Where shall we begin? You have some news? Because yes. I don't think we have ratings yet. Yeah, we don't have ratings yet, but we do have some news. Sci-Fi has given an early fifth season renewal to The Magicians per The Hollywood Reporter. Yay! Yes. Fifth season will consist of 13 episodes, which also sees Henry Alonzo Myers join co-showrunners John McNamara and Sarah Gamble. Gamble also serves as the showrunner of Netflix's You. So that's awesome to know we don't have to worry about getting another season of The Magicians. That's already in the can. So that's awesome. That's great. I'm very happy. Absolutely. So let's start on episode two, Lost, Found, and Fuck. Now the synopsis I found on this, I didn't (laughs) even want to bother with it. Oh my gosh. It says, Dean Fogg gets a new suit. What? (laughs) Yeah. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Oh, my God. I mean, he does, but <laughs> he had one suit that was made that was more to his liking, but he didn't end up that way, at least at no, towards the it, end. And we did have, which I thought was interesting, a special guest star, I guess. And I'm wondering if she's going to be back. Right. Cheryl and Fenn, who most people will remember from Twin Peaks. Yeah. So this should be interesting. I'm wondering, it seems like it was kind of odd they bring her in. Right. Which, of course, we'll talk a little bit more. But, like, some of this stuff, this episode was weird and just kind of out of place to me. Okay. And her showing up just was definitely one of them. But, right. all right, where shall we begin? All right, let's start with Team Library. Oh, the library. Yes. Alice is still thinking about the bug, and Nick speaks up. Alice tells him that she could use some intel about this place, but how does she know that he isn't a snitch? That's a really good question right there. Yeah. (laughs) Nick replies, how could you not trust Santa? Well. (laughs) And then he goes on about how things have changed. What he does now is considered breaking into people's homes, And, of course, having kids sit in your lap is a little frowned upon in some places. (laughs) And besides... I thought that was interesting, too, the way he says it. And you see him, like, really flustered about that. Oh, absolutely. And I'm sorry, that is not something I ever thought about in regards to Santa Claus. 
So it was like, oh, what? People, wait a second. You know, it was one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those things that like really makes you stop and think about it because most people aren't saying that. I'm sure there are people because they say everything. And of (sighs) course, he reminds her that he knows how to get the one thing that she needs, magic. Of course, we see Alice getting into a tube that's running above her room. And she's able to get her arm into it and confirms to Nick that she can feel the magic flowing through it. Which is weird. I thought it was just a pneumatic tube. Right. So did I. <laughs> like, it's then, a magic pneumatic? Yeah. <laughs> I want to know how that super works. super cheesy. And if it was, why didn't they, like, secure it better than with a, a screw? Right. And why would you have it running through your A prison cell. cell. Exactly. So she ends up putting the bug on the floor and uses magic to guide it into Zelda's office. I thought the whole point was her changing into it. And that's like what I thought, too, was going through the tube or something. <laughs> but no, she uses the magic to kind of use it as her eyes. And she sees there's a fireplace in her office just before Zelda gets up and steps on the bug. Apparently, the library has a bug problem. Yes, it's a pretty big bug. I don't know how more people didn't see it. Right. And of course, she asks Nick about the fireplace, and he tells her he's never seen one he couldn't crack. Oh. So we're seeing the beginning of the escape plan here for uh, Alice and Santa. They're going through the fireplace. Well, I hope they get on with it. Yeah. I know it's only episode two, but it's like, ah. Exactly. <laughs> See, even the pod dog is like, wah! Yeah, we need Alice out. Now, of course, when Alice gets out, she knows that the monster is still out there gunning for the the gang. Yeah. But after what she did destroying the keys, are they even going to be able to trust her or believe in her? I don't know. That's going to be real interesting when... When they do meet up to see how the gang and is it going to be just hunky-dory and everything's back to normal? There was a lot of tension last season between them. And so it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. Yeah. Uh, I don't know exactly how it's going to play out. Yeah. And I'm just like trying to picture it. But by the end of this episode, I'm like, they're definitely going to know she wasn't lying. But the problem is she is so far away from them. Like, is it going to even matter? Right. Let's go to someplace a little more fun and weird, <laughs> if weird that's possible. Is definitely <laughs> the um, the word of the day for Team Fillery. As we see Janet walking through the woods, asking Mother Nature for help, as well as something staying close behind her. I loved it. She's like, Mother Nature, can you help out? She's like, this is the worst. What was she saying? Delusion ever? She's right. like, the trees don't even talk. And I'm like, oh, God. And then it got better. Yeah. Because she stops at a pond for a drink, hoping it's vodka. And after a couple of handfuls of water, an arm comes out of the water and pulls her underneath. I love it. She's like, this better be vodka. But then <laughs> I kind of freaked out when she got pulled in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whoa, hold on here. And uh, she comes to inside a cave, and Lord Fresh greets his majesty. Oh, this was funny. This whole uh, endeavor of Fresh. 
Yeah, Janet wants to know why everyone is thinking she is the king, and Lord Fresh endeavors to explain. Of course, he introduces himself formally, and after a bit of miscommunication, tells Janet about her birthright box, which has predicted that she would be lost, but would return, but would rule by herself. Oh, God. This was so funny. Yeah. It's like, we're not touching my birth box. box yeah. What would she say? Wait, you're not touching my birth box, Shape of Water. I don't know what you're talking about, yeah. but I was dying. <laughs> I know. And I'm like, I don't know if this is Margot's attitude or actually Janet, the persona they gave her, because it seems like it was even more over the top than Margot normally is. Right. So I totally was loving it and just cracking up. <laughs> and Janet tells him that ruling alone is her jam. And of course, by saying that, the walls begin to shake and Lord Fresh tells her to claim her destiny. She needs to find the god from her dream. Apologizes for not being able to keep her as safe as he had hoped and returns her to the surface. So this is interesting, though, because he's able to see her for right. her. And, like, nobody else can see this. Right. So I don't understand why, though. Yeah, that's a very good question, how he would know that that was Margot and not Janet. I mean, whatever this birthright box is, do you think it could have given him, like, almost like the power to see through the magic? It could be. Or it gave him the vision of what Margot would look like oh, okay when she wasn't Margot when she was Janet so he would know that know her by that way huh interesting so he tells her to walk towards the mountain and throws her a fish for her lunch <laughs> oh my gosh I love it because then we don't know how long later she's like by a fire so she managed to make a fire right which it is it's pretty impressive yeah. <laughs> I can't make a fire and and I'm not a fashion person, and she managed to get it done. Maybe she had a really good lighter in her pocket. But when she's about to, like, basically kill the fish or, like, spirit or something, I loved it because she's like, sorry, I'm a vegan, so this kind of sucks for me, but I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, Margo, you're killing me, Margo Janet. Yeah. And all of a sudden, there's two guards with their swords on her, and you're going, Please let this be the Florian army and oh right, and not, not any like, of the others. I don't think it, if any of the others got her, it would really matter because they wouldn't know who she was. Right, but. right. But they could have decided to kill her just because. Uh, that's true. Oh well, her. that wouldn't have done very well though. No. So we cut to Castle Whitespire, where acting High King Finn is trying to hold. A council meeting. <laughs> what was going on? <laughs> Everybody's like nodding off. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, what the hell? I was like, is it that boring? I was looking around for the sloth, though, and, and her royal slowness wasn't there. Right. And Tick rushes in and tells Finn there's an urgent matter. He tells her that the person mentioned the name Margot. Now, of course, the guards open the door for... Finn, and of course, there's Janet. And Finn says, so you're supposed to be the High King Margot and the castle shakes. Oh, my God. And then Tick's trying to stop her. And then nothing happens. It's like, oh, okay, not so bad. And all of a sudden, like a wine goblet comes flying at her head. <laughs> and you go, it's like, 
where did that even come from? Exactly. You were in a hallway. (laughs) You, you would never put. That I thought was hilarious because it was very just like slapstick comedy. Yes. Like it comes out of nowhere. And I love it. She's like, what? That happens? And she goes to say Margot again. And I love it because Tick figured it out pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's not say that. Yeah. He's like, ur, ur, ur. and then Fen's like, oh, okay. Janet tells him that Ember sent her there and they believe that he has risen. I love that she screwed up Ember's name, though. Yeah. (laughs) They don't know where he is, but something has happened since his return. Finn informs Janet that normally the Florian air contains a small amount of opium, but now it's saturated, causing falling asleep at inappropriate times and naked dancing. That kind of sounds like a party. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? I do believe that Janet's like, okay, this this is my jam right here. Yeah. They believe this is Ember's doing, and if he can be convinced of the damage this is doing, he would consider reversing it. And I love it that because all of a sudden Janet's like, you see me doing this nodding thing? This is so you get to something that I understand. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, keep going. Yeah. (laughs) And she really doesn't give a shit, but since Ember is dodging them and wants her, let's go find him. Oh, yeah. That line, too. Oh, he wants me, but he's dodging you. All right, let's go find him. And this was great. Yes. Oh, my God. I'm telling you, this whole, the fillery scenes were the best. Yes. (laughs) Janet, Finn, and Tick are mapping out Ember sightings, and Janet figures he's heading east and wants to know where is the next hot spot. And Tick (laughs) tells her, hair on the ass. What? Yeah. What? And she just kind of looks at him, and I'm like, how do you not see Margot's face? Right. Like her look right there. there Come on. Yes. <laughs> so we beat ahead and sure enough, Janet, Finn, and Tick have arrived at the Hair on the Ass Tavern. And sure enough, there's one hella party going on. When they open the door, Tick says it's the middle of the day. Janet replies with real ragers raved in the day. That's five o'clock somewhere. Yeah. And Janet sees a guy with horns and walks up to him, calling Ember, I'm here. Oh, he's like, and who are you? Yeah. And Imposter replies, yes, you are. And Janet asks, where are his hooves? And the guy looks at his feet. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I remember that face. Huh. Who could it be? I couldn't figure it out. Couldn't bring it Oh, you couldn't. Damn, Bacchus. (laughs) (laughs) So let's cut over and talk about Team Monster. Not Elliot and Brian are in Greece at the Temple of the God Yosemite and Enelaus, God of War. I've never heard of the the gods like that, unless they're kind of like how Norse gods had some what they call primordial gods. Right. I'm wondering if it's like that, because I was, I was like really scratching my head. Had you ever heard of... No, I, I I was doing Google searches for God names and other names, and I finally found one that actually had the spelling of Enulaeus and went, wow, okay. Of course, Brian says he thought that was Ares, and not Elliot tells him to say that when you see him. It makes him so mad. Well, that's interesting, too, because when you look it up, Enulaeus is generally considered the son of Ares. Right. So it's like... 
uh, okay, is it supposed to be after then or uh, what? I would think so. It'd have to be a name after he had the Ares name. Mm. And then, like maybe he took on the title. Yeah, it very well could have happened. You know, them Greek gods were doing some strange. <laughs> well, too, when you look it up, it's a minor god and it's the spirit of war. Right. So, yeah, kind of like my dog's name is Nyx and she's the primordial Norse god of the evening goddess. So it's like, really? There's something for every. There's twilight. There's evening. There's this. Right. So that's probably why I haven't heard it. But the fact that there's additional gods that they're talking about, they're talking about a weird old world in between. And I'm still not quite sure why we're here. And it got really funky because not Elliot couldn't remember words. Right. And I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, go get one of those things in the woods. And I'm like, what is he talking about? All right. <laughs> and it turns out he's talking about like a wild pig, but he wanted a piglet. And he's like, and you have to use the stuff that's not magic. And I love it because Brian, or Q, looking at him like, what are you talking about? Right. <laughs> he doesn't know anything about magic. He's an English professor. Come on. Right. So ultimately... Did he mean just physical strength or like the sweat of your brow kind of thing? Right. I was It was the sweat of your brow, meaning you have to do it physically and not through magic. Okay. And yeah. he comes back with a pig and I was like, oh God, don't show any of this on TV. Right. Because of course there's blood all over Brian. So we aren't even going to speculate on what he went through to get that piglet. Oh, I, I just assumed that was the blood that's been on him from when... Not Elliot was killing everybody. Yeah, it could have been. Could have been. But you're right, because he does ask what happened to the mother pig. Right, like, he would care. This monster doesn't care about anything but himself. Yeah, this is very weirdly childlike. Exactly. Now, of course, not Elliot tells Brian to kill the pig, otherwise Enelaus won't come. Yeah, how is he supposed to do that? Right. Not like he's walking around. Right. Walking around with a whole bunch of uh, weapons on him. And, of course, Brian tells him he won't do it. And why doesn't he just go ahead and kill him? And not Elliot says, well, I'd never do that. But does his finger thing and breaks Brian's arm. Now, is it at this point he starts telling him about... No, it's a little bit later, right? About the spell on him. Right. And it just seems weird that he's so forthright later. Yeah. Yeah. And not Elliot asks Brian if his leg should be next. And Brian tells him he's ready to do whatever not Elliot wants. I was cringing. Yeah. Because, man, sound effects, again. Right. It was bad when he broke it, but it was just (laughs) as bad when he fixed it. (laughs) It kind of flips over. I'm like, what are we, in the Harry Potter universe now? It's like, here, break, drink this, you're fine. Brian gets up and not Elliot informs the pig that it's time for it to die. That pig was getting really close to not Elliot, and he was, like, kissing his nose. Yeah. It's like, this is a real psychopath have, we're right, dealing with. yeah. He's got a soft spot in his heart, but then again, he's going to kill it. Okay. Right. You're going to have to work on you, not monster man. So, not Elliot tells Brian to pray a little harder, and poof, Enelaus appears. Now, if this is Ares' god of war, what are the You look like a hipster. Have, yeah. <laughs> what? 
are the odds that he would be able to just completely fail against not Elliot? Because not Elliot just slams him up against the tree. Right. I was hoping it wasn't, which we do end up finding out, like, as he uh, is being yelled at to give back what he took, which Elias has no idea what he's talking about. No. And then not Elliot cuts him open and, like, is reaching inside for something. And he's like, oh, you're not him. Right. It's like, what are you feeling inside? (laughs) Is there an off switch? What's going on? Yeah, that's how he would be able to, well, Enelaus didn't fight him with anything. You would think that as soon as he got slammed into a tree, Enelaus would fight back. You would He's think the god so. of war, you know he would. And not just be taken down by the monster so easily. We are talking to God here. Right. I just, okay. I feel like there's something from the previous episode with Bacchus about almost like fading out if they don't have people worshiping them right yeah and we didn't have any clue who these people are so i have right. a really good feeling that nobody's worshiping them so i can see him not being able to really fight back but it just seemed weird he's like feeling around inside and he's like oh you're not an Elias. you're his servant and the guy's like yeah and he's like why would you trick me right and i was like oh crap <laughs> yeah brian tries to convince not elliot just to let him go and that ain't happening. Right. And again, why? Why did your master send you? And I'm wondering if Enelaus even knew. Well, the guy does say he knows. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. So you got to know that Enelaus knew that the monster was coming for him. And I think that's probably all the gods that had anything to do with creating and putting the monster in prison probably knows that he's out and they're in trouble. I feel like they'd be banning together then, but nobody seems to be in a big hurry. Yeah, doesn't yeah. seem that way yet. All right, let's head over to Team Marina and Team Breakbills. And some confusion. Yeah. Sam wants to know what Marina did as her, Hansel, and Isaac wake up from being knocked out. Marina tells him that she didn't do anything. That spell is a cunt with fangs. Damn. Yeah, and then suddenly when her phone goes off, I was like, okay, that's weird. And it's a voicemail from Fogg telling whoever is screwing with his enhancement to stop or death is certain. (laughs) Yeah, I loved it because she's like, ugh. And he's like, and no, you can't take me off speakerphone. (laughs) Okay. So Marina has Sam and Isaac go into the kitchen as she works on Hansel. As she has figured out that they have to be some of Henry's students, Marina tells Hansel that she is making him useful, and Isaac realizes that Janet is no longer with them. Way to catch up. Yeah. And so Marina has Hansel transporting around her place and wonders how he's doing this. Well, you should know, Marina. So we... Cut over to break bills where Todd is typing away with headphones on as we hear a whoosh. And of course, Todd doesn't hear it because he's listening to headphones. And we see Marina and Hansel have transported into Fogg's office. And Marina says if he's like her, Fogg, he keeps his secrets in the liquor cabinet. Well, I guess that's a commonality between all the timelines of Fogg. Yeah, it seems like everything's in there. Yep. 
And Marina notices Todd and gets his attention, and Todd is freaked out that it's Hansel. Right. Not that Marina's there. No. Oh my gosh. It's Hansel. And Marina puts him to sleep. Hansel asks if he can help, and Marina tells him to take his shirt off and make her a sandwich. (laughs) He looked confused for a second. (laughs) Yeah. And then again went, oh. Of course, Fogg finds Todd passed out at his desk and wonders if he's drunk. Which we find out, Fogg's a functioning alcoholic. Yes. And really, you're going to question Todd then? Yeah. (laughs) He hears a noise and turns only to find Marina sticking him with a needle in his neck. Fogg asks her what she's done and is told it's the same blue shit you gave Hansel. Now, what I want to know is how did she figure out who Hansel was? And that he can travel. Well, the I think she made the assumption that because they were Fog students, one of them had to be a traveler. And she just happened to pick, right? Yeah, I think so. She just got lucky. Marina tells him that he just needs to give himself the antidote, which he replies, there is none. Yeah, right. Yeah. And Hansel starts to giggle as he realizes that everything Marina has told them is true. Why are you giggling, you weirdo? How high are you? Yeah. Well, I guess it finally actually hit him that, yes, I am a student of magic. I don't know. Of course, Fogg freaks out when he hears that they've gotten most of the group together and, of course, wants to know how many. And, of course, Marina tells him it's all of his apple-shining, ass-kicking teacher's pets. (laughs) I'm not sure who was sassier, Janet or Marina, in this episode. Uh, I'm still going with Janet. Oh, yeah. Fog asks Marina what timeline she is from, and she replies with the one where he owes her child support. You go, what? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. There, I'm like, hold on, what? Yeah. (laughs) I want more about this timeline now, if there's any truth to that. The next thing she ends up saying to him when she kind of confronts him, I was kind of like, what? So, yeah, I I definitely want to know what's going on in 23. Yeah, absolutely. And Marina tells him he better get to work because he won't like what he will be when the spell takes effect in one day. I love it. Then Fogg notices Todd's awake and he's like, how long have you been awake? And he's like, uh, like, you need to help. Todd's like, you need help? No, no. But if you tell anybody what you just seen, you're going to die. It's like, whoa, whoa. (laughs) I was trying to help you. Right. And... Kim runs into Todd and tells him she's afraid that she's flunking out. And she just wants to pass one class. And she heard that Todd has a cheating spell. Well, of course he does. And Todd tells her. Like that explains a lot from our timeline. Right. Todd tells her that he will try to hook her up, but he's really freaked out. But he can't tell her. But he does anyway, telling her that Fogg is leaving. And Fogg's the only person that believes Kim's got any shot at magic. Right. But I love it because Todd's like, but it's not his choice. But don't say anything because I can't tell you. And I'll give you all the cheat codes I have. And then Fog walks up and Todd's like, okay, got to go. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, yeah, that doesn't look suspicious or anything, Todd. No. And Fog tells Todd that Marina should not be included in his memoirs, but everything he does should be recorded in minute detail. So that's what Todd was typing up. So how did Fog know he needed to write his memoirs this time? Oh, that's an interesting question. Right. And then we get to see uh, Fogg's farewell tour. Because <laughs> <laughs> he runs into Walter and gives him a bottle, saying that 
They've only had drinks a couple of times together, and I'm a functioning alcoholic. Oh, yeah. You're the best drinking partner ever. Right. What? Yeah. And when he gives, well, he tells them about where the bottle is and stuff. Right. And the explanation behind the bottle. Huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I was going to drink it if I ever committed suicide, but it's yours now. Right. Think? I think. I think. And then, of course, we see him talking to a lady who seems to be either his gambling partner or a bookie. One of the two. I'm not sure which. (laughs) And she wants what he owes her. And he pulls out this big wad of cash and gives it to her. But he's actually $56 short. Yeah. Thanks for being so tough. What? (laughs) This is the weirdest, like, round of goodbyes ever. Right. And then we see Fog and Todd sitting on a bench outside a building. And he makes this big speech about what he's been through with magic. Guy comes out the door. He gets up and decks the guy and tells him, tell Jennifer thank you and goodbye. Right. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. I had an affair with his wife and he was not pleasant about it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He took it rather badly. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm like, did you think it wouldn't be that way? Yeah. (laughs) And Todd says, I think you hurt this guy. But Fogg just continues with his life story, talking about being raised by his grandparents. And and this is why I am how I am. It's right. like, okay, I guess we're just skipping over this. Got it. Yeah. Later on, Kim comes knocking on Fogg's door, and she tells Fogg that she doesn't belong there, but Fogg tells her that she does. And she replies that he's the only one who thinks that, and he's leaving. She tells him it's not. His fault, he's just upset like she is and everyone else if they knew he was leaving. Fogg tells her to sit and he starts to tell her about the most maddening millennials you could ever meet and the high-pitched rings start and some bottles on the table rise into the air. Fogg does his magic to lower the bottles. Kim asks if those were going to hit them and Fogg tells her it's the advantage of being the spellcaster. Aha. So she knows something. Yeah. Because how else would she know the bottles were going to hit them? Right. And Fogg tells her that he'll never be able to correct what he did to them, but he thinks that one day she might. Hmm. Okay. Kim questions that, and Fogg tells her that he knows what she's capable of. Well, that's great, but you got to give her more than that. Right. And tells him that... Maybe tell me and help me something. Yeah. Kim tells him that he needs to tell her who they are if she's to help them. (laughs) Fogg tells her they were in grave danger and he cast a spell to erase their identities and gave them new ones and that same spell has been cast on him. Of course, she asks if there's anything she can do and he tells her that if he reveals the spell can be reversed, then someone would reverse the spell on his students, ensuring their deaths. And that's not what we want. No. So Fogg is actually going to sacrifice himself to keep the spell from being reversed. He tells her he can't let this happen, and he has to accept what's about to happen to him. Kim gets up and leaves, and he gets up and tears his jacket. What? Is this some sort of, like, I will remember if I do this? Right. I don't know. That made absolutely no sense, unless he was just letting off some anger. But then you have Marina and Hansel, like, looking at a bowl of liquid. I'm like, okay, Harry Potter me again. Yep. And you see Fogg's face, and Hansel's like, oh, he's a hard one. Hard nut to crack. Yeah. 
got a plan B. That's what we've seen from the preview. She's like, plan B is for are for losers. Yeah. <laughs> okay, calm down there, pumpkin. Yeah. And when he he thanks her. Yeah, he, he thanks her for yeah. her efforts. And I love it. She's looking at him like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and then comes back with, oh, it's common knowledge that I'm a very, very good person who lives to help others. <laughs> really? Maybe in your timeline, but I doubt it. Yeah, no. I don't believe Marina was that in any timeline. <laughs> and of course, the group discusses issues with their current lives. <laughs> and we get to find out that Isaac has a personal problem when having sex. <laughs> and oh my God. Yeah, Hansel. It's a real his, problem. <laughs> Hansel and his stepsister, which uh, they didn't know. Until afterwards? Well, that was kind of funny, especially when he's like, there was a lot of step-parents. And, of course, Sam being fake. I don't know. I kind of think Sam was, at least from what I've seen, trying to do her job. I I didn't really see anything fake about her, but maybe they have. So we go back to break deals where Fogg is looking at the comic book when a woman shows up behind him and touches his shoulder. Fogg greets Etta and she fixes the tear in his suit and informs him that his new suit isn't ready yet, but she shows him how it's coming along. Maybe that's the new suit the synopsis was talking about. I'm assuming. Yeah. (laughs) The jacket comes out of her purse and floats there for a minute and then falls to the floor and Fogg tells her that some of his students used up their allotment of rationed magic. And so it's messing with all of us. Sorry. Etta asks him to smell the jacket, which he does, and gets choked up, saying it's his grandmother's huckleberry pie. I don't think <laughs> I'd want a suit that smells like huckleberry pie. <laughs> no, I think I've get really old after a day yeah. or less, an yeah. hour. Yeah, maybe ten minutes. Etta asks why a comic book, and Fogg informs her that it's a graphic novel with characters with complex backstories which made the glamour easier to cast. Oh, okay. I'm not sure complex backstories or... I guess they have some backstories. <laughs> I'm wondering still where the comic came from and why is he telling Etta? Yeah. She tells him that the suits he wears are just armor to keep others from finding out what a truly loving heart he has. Oh, well, we all kind of figured that. Just has to be a jerk sometimes. Fog runs into Kim in the hallway, and she tells him if revealed, the spell can be reversed, and he tells her not to. Of course, Fog calms down the rumbling, and Kim asks if she's one of them, and he tells her that he has to undo all of this, and then we'll fight. I don't know if that's going to help. Right, yeah. Because... Yeah, well, if they can get everybody together, maybe they can take on the Order and our dear most hated leader of them but we'll see i'm i'm just thinking it seems like if magic is rationed and the the library can basically turn it off right how are they gonna fight yeah because it seems like the monster doesn't have a problem no he's either the library doesn't control his flow of the magic which is what i'm thinking the gods their spout never turns off Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, that's for sure, how they're going to be able to come up with enough magic to take on everybody. 
So Fogg tells her he knows he can't stop her, but to be more careful than she's ever been in her lives and starts to walk away. He stops and tells her that finally getting to be her teacher has been an honor. And I'm like, is he dying? No, he's just about to become somebody else. And sure enough, we see Marina exiting her building and finds a homeless fog standing outside. And she tells him that he's the saddest loser she's ever buried. And this is this is where I'm saying I got confused. Right. Because she tells him to look and we see the uh, like an old homeless white guy in the window. And I'm like, okay, who do you see? You see Fog. You know that's Fog. But why are you able to see him? I'm confused with that. Well, she gave Fog her father's identity. Oh, because I was. this is where else I was confused. When she's like, hi, dad. And she takes the money that he had. I was like, wait, Fog's her dad? Yeah. <laughs> that's where I was like, what the hell? I was no. so confused. Yeah. That was why she said he's the saddest loser she's ever buried because her dad's already dead, but she definitely likes to give Fogg an identity of a real loser. And so that's why she gave him her father's identity. Oh, gotcha. Because I was like, wait a second. The child sport she was talking about, was that for her? Yeah, I was like really confused. I'm like, I swear one of the timelines, Fog and Marina had had a relationship. That's, yeah. Yeah. This makes a whole lot more sense now. (laughs) Well, good. Doesn't seem so creepy. Right. So we go back to break bills and Todd is telling Kim that he is trying to keep everything about Fog private. And Kim tells him that she's trying to save him. Todd uses magic to pour himself a drink and, of course, doesn't offer Kim one, but she would like one too. But... It's too late as the magic ration has been used up. But Todd says it's supposed to last until 11. As they talk, a couple of glasses break and they figure out that not all magic is turned off. Oh, really? Todd remembers that Fogg was working on a perpetual battery and they head off to find it. Now, that's the same thing that was... Mayakovsky was also... Okay. I don't know if it was based on Mayakovsky's work, but I... Thinking it probably is. And of course, they're in his office and looking through the liquor cabinets. And sure enough, they find a box. And Todd reminds her. Happens to be there. Yeah. Or what Fogg said about being really careful. That ain't going to stop her because (laughs) the spear is there floating in the air. And she puts a hand on it and gets blown across the room. Oh my gosh. And Todd was. Freaking out. Yeah, he runs over, checks for a pulse, and then calls for a medic as Kim wakes up. Because he apparently found no pulse. (laughs) And then has to tell the person on the phone, oh, just a prank. And ask if she's all right. She says yes, but Todd tells her she died. Yeah, maybe this is my discipline. I don't die. And Todd's like, yeah, no. No. (laughs) Kim asks, how much power does it have? And this time puts both hands on it to try to overload it and gets blown across the room again. Todd checks her pulse and Kim revives herself and heads back towards the battery. And she does this a half a dozen times. Todd finally gets tired of running over and checking on her and puts his headphones on and is just jamming away. 
And finally, Kim tries it again, but it only knocks her a couple feet back and goes dark and falls to the ground. That was funny because it was going on and on and on. <laughs> and to me, Fogg said, be care- more careful than you've ever been in your life. Doing so that, that obviously over means. Over and over again <laughs> does not qualify for being careful at all. <laughs> it must have been a while because Todd went back to his headphones. Yeah. All right, so now that the battery has been turned off, the spell is broken. Kim starts to change, as well as Brian, Isaac, Nazul, Sam, and Fog. Hansel? 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 <laughs> I'm sorry. That's every time they say his name, that's what I think of. Right. Yes, I go back to old Bugs Bunny. <laughs> In Greece, not Elliot, says, Quentin, you're back, as Q's. Starts to try to do some magic. And not Elliot raises his finger and Q knows better and stops. Guy that was pinned to the tree falls to the ground. And not Elliot says, oh, you wanted to play? Sorry, he's too dead. It's so creepy the way they're playing not Elliot, the monster. I know, he's doing such a great job with this role. Oh, it's amazing. So in Fillory, not Ember. Says, cool trick, do it again, as the partiers see Margot, and Finn puts the crown on her head, and everyone bends a knee. I loved it, because instantly everybody knew who she was. Yeah. It was creepy, though, with the the transformation. Yes, it was. And Bacchus is just like, who are you? Yeah. (laughs) Margot turns and says, what the hell are you doing here, Bacchus? Bacchus goes, Oh, uh, have we banged? Right. Okay. Really, dude? No. She followed him on Instagram until he got kicked off. I love that. He's he's like, that sucked, right? (laughs) Okay, so obviously they're not getting Instagram and fillery. No. She tells him she likes the opium in the air, that it was a nice touch, but she asks why he's really here and why are you wanting the people to think you're Ember? He replies if she really wants to go back to Earth, and she tells him she wants an answer to his question, and he makes Margot disappear. So where did he send Margot? Hopefully back to Earth. Yeah, because he could have just sent her anywhere. Yeah, exactly. And of course, Finn asks who he is, and he replies with a god, and that's all you need to know. So apparently Finn is not up to speed on all the Greek gods. Well, I mean, she wasn't on Earth that long. No, she wasn't. So back in Greece, not Elliot tells Q that he's glad he's back because he was getting a little tired of the Brian game, and Q agrees. And this is where the monster starts getting real, like, open. Right, because Q asks why did he have to torture the guy to death? And the monster tells him that gods are so tricky, but they'll get him and take back what he took from him. Really, what was it? He doesn't even know. I thought we were going to get the information, even if by accident. Right. But the monster has no idea what it was, but it's just not fair. Q tells him that they owe him, and the monster tells him that you really understand me, and it's good to have a friend like you. Well, maybe. Q may be the only hope for (laughs) salvation in this. Yeah, because I'm a little worried about the Scooby gang. Yes. So Q asks him when he gets back, what the gods took from him could... He maybe get Elliot back, which makes the monster upset, thinking that Q misses his other friend more than him, and poof, they disappear. Thing is a child, to say the least. 
Right? Cut to marinas where Josh, Penny, and Katie are regaining themselves, even though Josh is a little disappointed. That's the first thing he does is, oh, shit. Right? You think, yeah, he would be... Just glad to be back. No. And not Elliot walks in with Q, and Q tells him to stand back. Of course, Penny asks why, and Elliot tells him that he's not here to play, and his eyes glow. It's like, great. Yeah, this is not good. I did not know what was going to happen next. I just knew that it was getting weird. Yeah. And I was like, oh, God. Yeah, how is Q going to save the four of them? Really damn good question. But maybe Penny can transport them out of there. Now, yeah, that they're back. They know who they are. And what they can do, so. And that's right. Margo didn't get, I was thinking Margo got popped in there. No. Yeah, I wonder where the hell she is right uh, now. Yeah. <laughs> back in her fashion design. Maybe. Office. Yeah, could be. Could be anywhere. Right, we don't know. I guess we'll find out next episode. Yeah, things have ramped up really quickly, and it's good. I kind of, the idea of them being different people was, I thought was a good idea. Not something I wanted for very long, Right, and we we only had to deal with it for two episodes, so I think that was the perfect amount of time for them to not be themselves, and now that they're all back, we got to deal with the monster and then the order, so. Great. This should be easy. Yeah. Their tasks just seem to get harder and harder every (laughs) year. Ay, ay, ay. Well, what do you guys think about this episode and what's happened so far in the season? Shoot us an email at sci-fi talk at fangirlzone.com. That's S-Y-F-I talk at fangirlzone.com. While you're at it, if you want to check out the website, we also have a contact page there. So you, there's all sorts of ways you can see to get a hold of us. And while you're at it, if you can rate and review us on iTunes and any other platform you find us on, because good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us. And obviously you found us. You want more people to listen, right? And I just realized we're on Spreaker now. I don't remember if I had said that before. Like it keeps popping up new places. It's great. Yes. <laughs> so, for this episode of Sci-Fi Talk, I'm Sean Fangirlass. And I'm Steve. Fate's a fucker that always wins. And until next time. <laughs>